Hey, strangers. Welcome to another episode of The Strange Sessions. I'm Krista. With me is Kurt. And, uh, hi. Hi. <laughs> <laughs> How are you, Kurt? Uh, it's been a long week. Yeah. Which I told you about before yep. we recorded, but... We don't need to talk about we it. We don't need show. to talk about that on here, but it's been a crappy week. Yeah. So... I apologize. <laughs> I do a lot of apologizing ahead of time for our episodes, but stuff happened and I've been preoccupied and I didn't really get a chance to delve into this one too much. I mean, I, what we have, I think is okay, but it's, I always feel like it's not as good as I thought it was going to be. Oh, and now I just remembered what the episode, you tell me sometimes what we're talking about Yeah, and you told me this time, which I'm excited for because I like these kind of episodes. What is it? It's updates on stuff. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's updates on stuff. <laughs> I'm like, crap, did I forget? Well, uh, hold on. If you're just tuning in <laughs> before I forget and you don't want to sit through the titillating 20 of housekeeping, welcoming new strangers on Facebook and the taste test, check the show notes. Kurt will post the um, timestamp of the actual topic start. Okay. Kurt will. He will. And uh, now I've totally forgot what I was going to say. But yeah, it's been a week. My back got better. That was my issue last time. I could barely walk, except now it's more of a uh, like bad week. We'll just yeah. leave it at that. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, how was it? Weather talk. It's supposed to be like almost 70 I know. Today. It's crazy. I said I'll believe it when I see it. We yeah. get those kind of forecasts. Because snow the other day. Yeah, <laughs> it literally just snowed here earlier this week. They said 70 like inland, but like along the lake, like 50. So, of course, and yeah. that's where we live is along the lake. Although we're going up north today and it's always... A, I mean, my mom lives really close to the bay, but that's a totally different thing. Mm-hmm. The bay does not have its own weather like Lake Michigan does. No, so. but it's Hopefully supposed to be, be nice, warm up But then there. they said back down in the 40s with a chance of snow yeah. later this week. So yep. This is such a spring. goofy time of year. It, it really is. Uh, I want to give shout outs to our newest strangers. And those are Ann Wagner, who I believe is Carl's wife. Oh, really? Yeah, Carl Wagner's wife. Natasha DeAndrade, Travis Trantham, and Evangeline Bryan Fellows. Hi. Hi. Welcome to the strangers. Thank you guys so much for joining. Yeah. Uh, we it slowed down. Like people joining the strangers has slowed down. So. Yeah. Oh, you know what I forgot to talk about? What? Our Ukrainian, our Ukraine candle is here. Is it right here in front? Yeah, here it is. <laughs> we both have our computers up. Oh, I should post a picture of it. Very excited to get it. Um, they see. got so many orders because all 100 percent of the proceeds go to this um organization Ooh. that is it smells really good yeah it's vanilla you, scented I was, I was gonna say not that we're gonna burn it down here but even just taking the t- lid off you can really smell yeah it. but um the owner of door county candle company is ukrainian uh, her family is ukrainian 100 percent, and so all she developed this candle door county candles are good too yeah they yeah, it's really good quality candles um and door county is one of my favorite places but um 100% of the proceeds go to an organization that benefits I love can- Ukraine. We should have a, a, straight, a side session about candles. Maybe we'll yeah. do that at some point. But speaking of that, I just wanted to let people know I was struggling with coming up for a side session topic this week mm-hmm. because, like I said, there are shenanigans going on. I haven't had time to really do much. It's been a week. It's been a week. And um, we got emails from people recently saying that they love the episodes where we just ramble yeah. like off the top of our heads. That's good. So what, and then I was on my phone one day and I noticed I still had that app on there that we used that one time for some contest when we pulled somebody's name randomly 
Oh, it's yeah. like an app where I can just put text lists in there of yeah. stuff, and it'll let me pick one or two at random. Mm-hmm. So then it just popped in my head that what I think we're going to do for some of these side sessions, not, not everyone, but what we're going to do for some of them is I am as I come up with something we could talk about, I'm just going to throw it in this list. Right now, I think I have 20 things oh, in this nice. list. And when it's time for a side session where I don't have a research topic, I'm going to hit show me two of these at random. And then we're going to talk 15, 20 minutes about one and 15, 20 minutes about the other. Cool. So we're trying that today for the first time. Uh, should I say what our topics are? Or sure, why like not? That? Give people a and taste. The two random ones that I picked are amusement parks and diets. <laughs> so we're going to talk for 15 to 20 minutes about amusement parks. And we're going to talk for 15 to 20 minutes about diets. People are paying for this. And people are paying for this. <laughs> but I feel like we do better when it's just us rambling. It, yeah. That's one of the reasons I try to get away from having nothing but reading quotes yeah. but i and then today's is like all quotes and stuff well, from websites so i i gotta make a conscious effort to get away from just reading and having more of us talking mm-hmm. yeah but yeah so that's going to be a, kind of our side session plans for some of these side sessions coming up and i like it it's less work for you it is less work i mean it's less editing because usually like, yeah. the most editing i gotta do is me stumbling, stumbling over. over words when i'm trying to read this big yeah. block of text on my ipad so yeah, do we have any other housekeeping? Probably. I think I say that every week. No, I don't think so. A uh, huge thank you again to the coffee or Ko-Fi subscribers yes, for always for keeping us going. Um, what did we? we I'm need still to buy just more shocked chairs. that we still anyone... need to buy more chairs. Oh well, not more, not just more chairs. I would like to get really comfortable chairs. Yeah, we're we're down here from like six thirty until nine thirty. That's a long time to sit in these sort of like yeah stiff dining room type yep. chairs i'd love to get either rolling office chairs which could be dangerous or even like you know a comfy club chair kind of thing fall asleep yeah <laughs> fall asleep during the <laughs> podcast uh, i think Corey's going to come on in the next couple episodes so okay. that should be nice we also oh we're going to have a did we talk about it already that we are not going to yeah because we're not going to have an episode at the yep, end we of talked may about that. that is going to be a side sessions yep preview i think probably the dice man one because mm-hmm. I, I enjoyed that one any other? I don't think so. Should we jump right into our taste test? Yeah, let's do it. Kurt, this, oh. turn your microphone on this time. <laughs> <laughs> we'll do the taste test and then play the voicemail. Okay. And then we'll go from the voicemail into the okay, episode. Okay, perfect. And the the microphone will be on this time. It will time. be on I this apologize time. again last time for not having my microphone on. So. I don't know if anybody even watched the video of the taste test. Did, a, a couple did, people did because okay. I think I know Carl did because he, okay. he made the... Well, the Jardinera. Yeah. whatever it is. Jardinera. Yeah, Jardinera. <laughs> It Which is so delicious, yes, by the way. It was so good. All right. Ready to okay. switch to our spots? Yep. Okay. Let's do it. Right. There we go. There we go. It's so weird. To, I know. It's so backwards. <laughs> it's like over here. <laughs> okay. Hi, guys. Hey. All right. Uh, our first. Talk about the tea. I think it's our last tea, It's correct? our last tea. I don't know if they can even see that, but it's called White Things blend which is funny i feel like we've had episodes about all the teas that we've tasted yeah what was called the white thang though wasn't it it was the white thang yeah i'm excited though um let's see this was turmeric and ginger which is very good i love turmeric turmeric is very anti-inflammatory yes it is ginger is good for tummy troubles ready ready do a cheers cheers let's not spill on the mixing (laughs) board we shouldn't cheer right over the mixing board Mm-hmm. I can taste the turmeric. I can too, and the That's ginger. That's really good. Yeah, the ginger has always has that little sort of spicy. There's bite. mint in there too. I feel like there's mint. I think mint. so too. 
Mm. Well, that's really good. This one is really good. Like, I love turmeric tea. Yeah, I do too. I uh, I used to take turmeric tablets, uh, and I used to sometimes just split them open and put them in like tea. And I used to mm. love the taste. I love the taste of turmeric. Yeah, I do too. And so the smell. This is awesome. This is one of my favorite ones that we had out of this bunch. And they're all very mild. I like that. Mm-hmm. Excellent. Yeah, Def- that's a ten out of ten. That's Agreed. perfect. I don't know. I don't know what I could do to make that better. I haven't not loved all of these teas. I like the that scarf. That makes sense. Yeah, you look very dashing in your scarf. I look dapper. Did she ever respond? Does she want the scarf back? I don't think she did. Okay. We're holding it hostage until we hear back. So hopefully I don't have cooties. (laughs) (laughs) Our next, these two came in the box from Carl from... Oh, that's right. We love Carl. Carl Wagner is one of our our best... Long-time listener, right? Long-time listeners. Uh, And he sent us that box with the gardenias in it. Giardera. Giardera. Gardenias. And uh, he threw a bunch of other things in there, snacks and whatnot. Okay. So I just picked two of these at random. Uh, I think they both sound okay. One Mm -hmm. of them, I'm not exactly sure still what it is. Heard that before. But I know the other one's going to be okay. I don't think you're going to be spicy at least. Okay. The first one we're going to try. I believe these were from Mexico. I think all the stuff in the box that he got us might be from Mexico. So they're going to have some kind of weird spicy tomato flavor? (laughs) I think it's a potato chip. <laughs> Does, yeah, it looks like a potato chip. Yeah, but it's like made out of... Yucca. It's made out of yucca. Which... Right? Or is it just a regular potato chip? Well, okay. They're called yakitas. So my grandparents always um, spent their winters in Mex Or not Mexico, in southern Texas. And there were a lot of Spanish-speaking people there. And I think potato chips are called potata... Potata fritas or something like that. And this doesn't say anything like that. No, that's why. Cassava chips. That's why I literally have no idea what this is. I feel like it's. Is it like a plantain? Whatever a plantain is. No, a plantain is like sort of like a banana. I wish it would. Yucca. It's yucca. There's a yucca plant. And I bet that's what this is. I'm curious to try this because I literally have no idea what this is. Well, let me take a picture. It's a chip of some kind. Some kind of sliced and fried chip. How bad could it be? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> we've 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 done dunder salts, so yeah, I feel everything like is can... everything's a step up from that garbage. And we recently tasted something that was almost worse than the dunder salt. I don't remember. Maybe what I blocked was it, it out. Yeah, remember. what was that? I think we've blocked it from our memory. Oh, I opened that really weird. Yeah, you did open it really weird. They smell like potato chips. They look like potato chips. They do. I'm gonna dump a few out. Oh, they're really like light and like, hmm, interesting. This is weird. It is weird. It's not like a potato chip consistency. No, they're really thin. I don't know if you guys can see. Yeah, ready? I'm ready. Oh. Hmm. I mean, they taste like potato chips. They're really crunchy. I don't get like the an off, you know. I really like these. No, they're really good. But not they're not. They're salty. not. They're not like regular potato chips. No, I can't really. They're way crunchier than regular potato chips, but they're not like kettle chips. You know what I mean? They're almost to me like a mix between kettle chips and regular potato chips. Mm-hmm. Huh. Mm. They taste like potatoes, though. Uh-huh. Maybe it's a type of potato. 
someone who is who speaks Spanish or knows. Oh, what hang this on. Is. Oh. Does the bag tell us? Uh huh. I like these. Mm. You found like some English that I missed? Yes. Oh. Soldanza cassava chips. Enjoy life, savor every pleasure. Cassava, or yuca as it is called in Central America, is the original staple food of the Caribbean region or Caribbean region. Before the arrival of the Europeans, it was grown and eaten in many forms by the native people of the Caribbean islands and its isthmus. To this day, it's still to be found in almost every kitchen. Hmm. These chips are made from cassava grown in Costa Rica in rich volcanic soil watered by the torrential downpour of the rainforest. Carefully selected to ensure the finest possible chip, we reap the youngest roots that produce crispy golden chips that are packed with natural flavor. 100% natural, no trans fat. These chips are packed with the natural goodness of the rainforest. They're nothing less than perfectly delicious. Hmm. These are really good. They are good. No trans fat. I wonder if they're like a relative of the potato. They have to be. Hmm. Speaking of trans fats, so did I tell you Jim had his cholesterol tested and Mm -mm. it was like, oh, it was like really, really high, like bad. Really? And this was in January. And his doctor right away prescribed statins. Mm -hmm. And I was like, no, you're not doing that. That's why we kind of went... Not totally vegan, but okay. he just got another test yesterday. He significantly decreased his... Uh, the trans fats made me think of that because we've been paying attention to trans fats and everything yep. dropped significantly. So I remember when I had my blood tested that first time I went back to the doctor in like 25, 30 years, they said my cholesterol was actually okay. Probably not anymore. <laughs> yeah, you might want to get that checked. I really like these. Yeah, they're delicious. I'm going to give these a nine. They taste like potato yeah, chips. I'm going to give them a nine. Uh, yeah, I would too. Mm, good stuff. Finally, a, a a taste test from Mexico that we don't hate. I'm good if you want to keep them. Mm, I like those. Yeah, those are delicious. I think the next one is going to be great too. I hope so. How can it not be? Does it involve chocolate? Yes. Yes. Cranky. Cr- cranky. Ooh. Okay, I don't, I don't know what they are. But that's definitely chocolate. Let me take a picture. Well, let me see the ingredients first. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, make sure there's no hazelnut in there. Or any other kind of nut you're allergic. The ingredients are in English. Yes. No, no nuts. It actually sounds really good. Okay. I'm excited. I am too. All I right. do know one of the things that is in there. I saw it in the ingredients. Okay. I'm gonna see Ooh, if I'm gonna see if that. you can I'm gonna see if you can tell me what it is Ooh. if we, you can figure out They're what like it is. Little... Oh, yeah. Oh wow! I wasn't yeah. expecting that. They're like little. Oh, they are like little peppermint patties almost. Yeah. Okay, let me get a picture of that. I'm gonna see if you can figure out what it is that's in here. Okay. Ready. Ready. Mm. Mm. Mm-hmm. Oh, what is that? I really like these. <laughs> mm-hmm, these are really good. Do you want a hint? Yeah. Think breakfast. Maple? No. Breakfast. Mm, these are really good. Think breakfast something you would you have what you'd usually have milk on. Cereal? Cornflakes. Oh, there's cornflakes? There are cornflakes in here. Yep. Hmm. So these are kind of like chocolate covered cornflakes. I really like these. Mm-hmm. Mm. Now that you say that, yeah, yeah, I can taste that. Oh, these are amazing. Yep. No, I'm good. Nope. <laughs> no. Finish them. 
Well, I the, know Jim won't because he's determined to get his cholesterol down even more. I'm giving these a 10 out of 10. Yeah, these, these are, are amazing. Wow. Not too sweet. No, I really like these. A little like crunchy. It's got a little... It's, you can, the cereal, like, a little salt to it, maybe. Mm-hmm. Real little. And savory. Mm-hmm. Although corn can be kind of sweet. Mm-hmm. I really like these. Mm-hmm. Yum. They kind of have the same feel of a Kit Kat, too. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. I mean, the flavor profile. Yeah. Mm. Yum. Winners. Both All winners. winners. T. The yucca chips and the crankies. Chocolate covered uh, <laughs> cornflakes are all a hit. And your microphone was on, so I feel like all around this is a really good taste. Yes, it was. Yay! Woo-hoo. All right, bye guys. Okay, so we're gonna listen to a voicemail. Are we recording? Yeah. Oh, is I'm still. Oh, I chomping. forgot to hit record. We haven't been recording. As I'm still chomping on my mm. yucca chips. Well, mm. you're welcome, coffee supporters. <laughs> Thank you so much, Carl. Yeah. Thank you for not grossing us out with something yucky. Yucca is not yucky. <laughs> See what Yum. I did there? Okay. Uh, one of the reasons that I did this episode was because of something that they said in this voicemail. Voicemail. Okay. And I believe this is from Sam, listener Sam and Stephanie. Okay. So we got this voicemail and I read it. And it was transcribed pretty good, actually, because usually they don't. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, I read it, and I was like, you know, and Corey had told me the same thing recently, too. So I figured we would do an episode like this. But here is the voicemail from Sam Stephanie. Hey, guys. This is Seb and Stephanie. We wanted to say hi. Uh, I think we called you on episode one, season five, and gave a shout out. Just wanted to let you guys know that the podcast is on fire. Uh, We love listening to it. Uh, I've been listening since season two or possibly three, and it's never been better. Uh, I was hoping you guys would do a follow-up maybe on the Mothman or some other cryptid. I love those episodes and just can't get enough. Uh, So if you could could, uh, do something on that, that would be awesome, but... I love you guys, always listening, and can't wait to uh, to hear you again. Thank you again. Bye-bye. Aw. Thank you so much, yeah. Sam. Yeah. Thank you so much. I don't know if I'd say we're on fire. <laughs> but <laughs> like a dumpster fire? Like a, uh, I think a dumpster fire is more <laughs> appropriate. Uh, but thank you so much. And yeah. thank you for sticking with us all these yeah, years. Yeah, really. So that's just awesome. And it's not a name. I'm sorry if it's not a name I recognize. So I'm not sure if this is a I don't know if they post in the group. Or... I don't know if they post in the group a lot. I think it's really fun to hear from people who aren't on Facebook yeah. or Instagram because it reminds us that there are other people yeah, out there. Yeah, because sometimes <laughs> on Instagram I see people comment that I n- have no idea who these people are because I, I'm used to the people and yeah. the strangers and uh, face, we, on Facebook. We definitely have a lot of Instagram only yeah. people. Yep. And there's probably a ton of people who aren't even on social media. Yeah. So yeah, if you're one of those people that like never are in the strangers or anything, drop us in a, a voicemail or an email. We would love to hear hear from you and hear your story. Yeah. Like how you stumbled across our little 
That's one of our favorite things is learning how people yeah, found us. Yeah, how people found us. It's uh, Yeah, that's one of the things that I look because at all the time. Because we don't advertise in any way, shape, or form. No, so no we love... The fact we, that people find us is astounding A lot of lately has been like Spotify searches. Mm, we show okay. up on there, which is cool. Yeah. So Sam and Stephanie, thank you guys so much for listening and for caring enough about us to send that sweet yeah, voicemail. Yeah, that's amazing. But in the, in the voicemail, they said uh, updates. Yeah. And we haven't really done... A lot of follow-up episodes so that's something that i want to start doing more of yeah so in this episode there's one that we're only going to touch on for one little second so i have to really... take a picture of you with that scarf on i'm oh. sorry <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> keep talking uh we're going to be basically talking about three doing follow-up on three episodes but there's one that i just threw in here at the beginning because there was just kind of an update about that but we're going to be looking at three Things that we have talked about in the past, three topics we have talked about in the past, and a couple like little updates about them. The first one that I'm going to touch on is just going to be a really, really tiny little one, and that's Maura Murray. Oh, sweet. Yeah. Um, uh, I don't really have it in here, but there was a situation like last year, was it, where they found some yes. skeletal remains by mm-hmm. the ski lodge yep that it was believed that she may have been at and people were all excited and it oh, turned yeah. out it wasn't from her they were like really old they were super duper old yeah yeah so it wasn't more murray so no. everybody was like uh because everybody just wants closure on right. this thing but hey at least somebody maybe yeah. got closure from that find but so. one thing is that julie murray Maura's sister thinks that now with tiktok it's getting a little more attention because of tiktok hmm. So according to a March 2022 article on MassLive.com, Julie Murray has taken to TikTok saying, quote, you've got this whole new reach to people that may have heard of it and a lot haven't heard of it, she said. And that's the most surprising thing to me because, of course, this is my world and I live it every day. And I'm surprised that people on the South Shore of Massachusetts are coming to my TikTok page and saying, wow, I've never heard of this story. The article goes on to say Julie began posting on TikTok at the end of December. She has since gained nearly 50,000 followers, with some of her videos getting hundreds of thousands of views. A 43-second video posted in January reached 1.3 million people. That's a lot of people. Yeah. Julie says, quote, I want to remind people that we're not characters. And even though you may read about us in a certain light on some of these blogs, when I show you a video of my dad on TikTok, you can see the real man behind the curtain. And when I am able to show old videos of Mora, people can be like, oh, wait a minute, this is a real person. Right. And engage with it a little bit with a little bit more compassion and empathy. And TikTok has certainly done that. Mm. And I totally understand that. Uh, people get so wrapped up in this that they forget that these are actual people. Right. You know, there's still a family people out accusing there. accusing her dad of doing <sighs> stuff. I know. Forget that, you know, it's not a character in a Stephen King novel. I mean, he's a he's a person with... Who lost a daughter. Yeah, I'm sure he has faults. I'm sure he has great qualities too. Mm-hmm. But it's, it's hard to, you know, grasp that unless you get to see like v- videos of them as people that you're like, wow, these aren't like literary characters or fictional characters. Mm-hmm. These are really, really people that went through this horrible thing so are still going yeah so hopefully maybe being on tiktok will help find something i don't know though i i just think it's been so long but like Corey was saying what was that guy's name that was missing for the longest time and they finally found his remains like not far he was the one that called the police with these weird phone calls saying that people chased him into the woods and oh yeah uh people suspected it had to do with meth and stuff Mm. like that and uh 
they just found his remains, like in the area where he was believed to have been. Mm-hmm. And then Corey and I are like, they probably went over that area several times sure. and missed his remains, which, you know, Corey says he's pretty convinced that Mora just ran into the woods, that she took off into the woods. That there was no foul play. That there was no involved. foul play and that her remains are just still out there, but nobody Could has be. stumbled across them yet. And it's possible, you know, but any extra light on this case might help break it somehow. Mm -hmm. That's what everybody's hoping for. But in January of 2022, the Federal Bureau of Investigation issued a nationwide alert on the case of Maura Murray, adding her case to the FBI's Violent Criminal Apprehension Program. Hmm. And that was a big thing. Julie said, quote, as we approach the 18th anniversary of Maura's disappearance, Law enforcement notified my family they were releasing a FBI VCAP or VICAP profile. The goal is for multiple agencies and jurisdictions to pool and cross-reference info. It's long overdue, but it's a positive step in finding answers. I always wonder why it took this long to put it into this powerful, powerful database where information can be shared, Julie Murray told the TV station. And they don't just put anything into this database. It's cases where they seem random and motiveless. It's cases like my sister's where they have no idea what happened to them. Mm-hmm. So having her in this database might also help Right. where there could be a Jane Doe or something in right. some other state and this will bring light to, to who that person Especially is. Especially theories that she ran away, yeah. so so to speak. Yeah. Yeah. I, 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 part it of me... could be a trail part of me, else. Part of me likes the idea that she ran away mm-hmm. because it's not... A horrible ending mm-hmm. you know but i think as as time goes on i think that becomes less and less of a possibility especially since we don't know why she would have run away yeah so uh, by yeah. now knowing what her family has gone through i think she would have reached out because why would she put i think her she totally would that? have especially knowing that she's like in the spotlight mm-hmm. like this and knowing that people are are talking like horrible things about her family yes right so i i just but part of me wants to believe that she ran away and that she's happy in canada or wherever she went (laughs) right so that's all i really have for more murray i don't have a whole lot uh we don't have any steak burrito additional steak burrito (laughs) recipes for you guys but the next one I want to move on to is one that, you know, Corey and I still talk about, and it's a fascinating one, and that is the story of John Teeter, the supposed oh, time traveler yep. that... Was that his first episode that he did That was with Corey's us? first episode that yep. he did with us way back. Was that season two? I don't even know. I think know. that was I season might have been two. season one. Uh, if you haven't listened to the John Teeter episode, it's a fascinating, fascinating story. Yeah. I do go into the story a little bit here. From a January 19th, 2018 article on Thrillist called, quote, The Oral History of John Teeter, the Man Who Traveled Back in Time to Save the Internet, the article says, November 2nd, 2000 saw the first online post by the individual who would become to be known as John Teeter. Teeter claimed to be a man from the future sent to the past to retrieve a portable computer. Though shrouded by forum avatars, his specific instructions on what he was here to accomplish and what society would look like in his version of the future kicked off a frenzy of investigation, speculation, and deception that has lasted for nearly two decades. Some people believe John Teeter completely. Others became obsessed with errors and inconsistencies in the story, digital detectives trying to uncover the truth behind the story. Before it was over, John Teeter would make his way to an animation studio in Japan, a wrestling ring in Pennsylvania, and a prison cell in Oregon. Yeah, like like the Teeter, like, well, there was a professional wrestler, or like an organization, a professional wrestling organization that uh, 
wanted to just like stop what their all their storylines and like reboot them and they used like a John Teeter situation where somebody went in time oh, <laughs> and geez. something like that. Sure. And uh you know he's been there's been animation movies made about him so he's kind of become like this mythological figure. So it's just crazy. Uh This is his story as told by the people who fell deep into it. If you remember John Teeter supposedly was from the year 2036. He stated that he was sent back in time to 1975 to bring back an IBM 5100 computer. He stated that that specific IBM computer had an undocumented feature on it that would allow it to communicate with newer IBM models and that this was needed in his time because there was a Unix timeout error coming in 2038 that would be a disaster. <laughs> I know. Yeah, but it's, it's, it's interesting. An article on Stranger Dimensions from 2011 called, quote, The IBM 5100 and John Teeter's Mission from the Future says, quote, The Unix timeout, by the way, is a very real concern. A timeout error is caused by the way computers count system time. They count time not by actual dates, months, days, or years like we do, but rather by seconds. The problem is that computers also have a limit to how high they can count. So when they reach that limit, problems may occur. The 2038 Unix timeout in particular stems from the limitations of computers using signed 32-bit integers. Once these 32-bit Unix-based computers reach their limit, on Tuesday, January 19, 2038, they will encounter something called a 32-bit overflow. From that point, the date on these machines will be interpreted as 1901. This will cause operating systems and certain software to malfunction unless we successfully prevent that from happening. And this totally is... The Y2K thing. Yeah. Remember the whole Y2K? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> so, you know, Y2K, I remember, I don't remember and where I was working at the time, happened. but people were so freaked out. Yeah. I remember people didn't go out that night because they thought planes mm-hmm. were going to be falling from the sky <laughs> right. and, and lights were going to go out everywhere. And then like, nothing, absolutely nothing absolutely happened. Absolutely nothing happened. <laughs> so, yeah. That uh, doesn't sound like something no. we do. <laughs> <laughs> Some of this stuff I get in these next articles are from articles that aren't on the internet anymore. I had to go on the I had to go to the Wayback Machine mm. and find these articles. So from a few websites that I really can't comment on because they don't exist anymore. John Teeter stated that the IBM 5100 computer had capabilities that we weren't aware of. And within the last year, one of the engineers who helped create the 5100 said in a magazine interview, did have capabilities that no one previously knew of that allowed it to speak with other newer IBM models. So he was right in that Mm -hmm. aspect. IBM did not want this knowledge made public for fear that competitors could use the 5100 to speak with larger IBM mainframes. According to Bob Dubke, the second engineer on IBM 5100's team in Rochester, that secret function was his contribution to the design of the computer. The function, which IBM suppressed because of worries about how their competition might use it, was an interface between the assembly code surrounding the computer's ROM exterior and the 360 emulator hidden beneath it. An imprint of a hook on the outside of the 5100 symbolized the ability of Dubkey's interface to drop into what Teeter called, quote, legacy code and scoop out any necessary operating instructions. So it's really interesting to people that he, that Teeter claimed that this computer had this undocumented feature that it actually did. And like nobody really knew about this. So what did he do for a living again? Teeter? Yeah. He was a soldier in the future. And they Not, sent him back in time to... Sure, sure, sure. But we don't know actually anything about him. No. Like, he didn't work no. for IBM. 
<laughs> no. So the rest of this is from that original article I talked about. And this was a, what I gave you the uh, Dazed and Confused book. It's an mm-hmm. oral history. Yes. And I love oral histories where it's, you know, they, they have the person's name, what they say, and then somebody else's name, what they say about what that person said. And they're just really, really cool. And they're easy to read. Like I said, I read the one about Saturday Night Live. I read the one by the MTV VJs. Mm. And it's really interesting to read. And I love the Dazed and Confused one. So this is from the article because it was more or less a uh, oral history. And that brings in Joseph Matheny, which I believe we talked about in the original episode. He is a multimedia artist. And he says in this article, quote, I'm going to be picky with what I say to you over what I've said in the past. John Teeter is a story that was created as a literary experiment by people who were observing what I was doing with Ong's Hat, which was a pioneering early alternate reality game. And these people wanted to do something like that. I was a consultant on the project, but it wasn't my project. This was pure art in the sense that we could build a story, build a character that didn't have books, movies, or media attached. The people involved were very into folklore, and we were talking about the internet being the modern vehicle of folklore. I thought everybody would get that this was a wink-wink, nudge-nudge, but when they didn't, I went to the other people that were involved, and I said, let's come out and tell the truth, but nobody wanted to. When we were doing this, we thought... Let's pick some things that might actually happen. Militias were in the news a lot. Oklahoma City, Waco, Ruby Ridge, all that stuff was going on. There were congressional hearings, etc. So that whole civil war idea was a big subject. The 5100 in the story, I started my career as an IT person and two of the people involved were older IT people. I didn't come up with it, but when I saw it proposed, I thought that is so funny. We have to do that. So he's saying that this was all mm-hmm. like a kind of virtual, uh, or not, it was like an alternate reality game that wasn't even really a game. It was them creating a story without a book, without a TV show, without a movie, just creating a story on the internet. Like a social experiment. Almost. Yeah. It's impossible to know who was behind the later messages from the time traveler. Teeter's only communications with the outside world were through text and internet postings. But shortly after the first batch of posts hit the Art Bell forum, a new name popped up, which was Larry Haber. Larry Haber was the attorney for the John Teeter Foundation, which is kind of sketchy. Yeah. You know, in an interview with Fate to Black Radio on January 3rd, 2014, Larry Haber said, quote, When I get asked the question, is it real? My answer is always the same. I don't know. I don't question whether or not. I do the work that I'm hired to do. I specialized in entertainment law, and a friend from law school referred me over to Kay, and that's how it started. Joseph Matheny then goes on to say, Larry Haber, I don't know who he is. None of us do. He has not, nor has he ever been involved with the group that I started with. He's an entertainment attorney. He's somebody who jumped onto the bandwagon. Mm. I got really harshly attacked by some of the true believer people. People were going to my LinkedIn page and calling the people that I worked for. It was pretty bad harassment, so I just backed off the whole thing. I guess what I didn't count on is that there's people who have a religious-like fervor around this subject, and when you question the veracity of this religion, you've made yourself fair game. We achieved what we said we wanted to achieve. We wanted to take this legend and write it on the new sphere like graffiti. If anybody has decided to believe the John Teeter legend, pay attention to anybody who is trying to sell you something. Books, DVDs, or a belief system attached to this as leverage. Give it a real hard thought before you do any of that, because John Teeter would not approve. Mm. So he's basically saying that this was none of this was real. Right. That it was like this kind of experiment to see yeah. how they could do a story in in 
the on the internet. And it went a little too well. And it went a little too far. <laughs> Researcher John Razimus says, quote, if you have a compelling story and you stay anonymous, the internet will magnify it, which is 100% true. Mm-hmm. Leah Jacatus, a Coast to Coast listener, says, quote, the magic of the John Teeter story, and really the magic of mid-90s Art Bell's Coast to Coast AM, was the ambiguity of the guests and stories. They were funneled through the radio. Teeter's story was engaging because it was just close enough to be plausible. He was looking for a computer that had actually existed. His predictions were pertinent to cultural concerns in mid-90s America. He had this fabulous story and grainy photographs to support his story, and then, lo and behold, he disappeared, which is about as satisfying an ending as you can have. (laughs) Right. Which is true. You know? But then, with the events of the past few years, a teeter resurgence has happened because of COVID. You know, John Teeter talked about a pandemic, but his was like based on mad cow disease. It had nothing to do with COVID. Mm -hmm. But he talked about like a pandemic with mad cow disease, and he talked about a civil war happening in the United States. And whether people believe it or not, I think right now the United States is basically in a cold civil war. I mean, a Democrat versus Republican cold civil war. I really think I really think that. So people are saying that a lot of the true believers are saying that because he came from a parallel timeline that they say his predictions pertain to his timeline, but because he came to this one, it postponed the events that he talked about. They're still happening, except instead of a mad cow pandemic, it was a COVID pandemic. Mm -hmm. And the civil war he's talking about got pushed back too, along with COVID. And I had never been there before, but the John Teeter subreddit is interesting because it's a lot of people that really, really believe this stuff. Uh, on there, one Reddit user says, quote, What I do find interesting, though, is that he said Y2K occurred in his timeline, and that weakened many countries, including the United States, going into the decade of the 2000s. This event led to more distrust of government and more aggressive actions being taken by government, leading to civil war. The civil war in the United States led to the destabilization destabilization thank you of of other western (laughs) nations and that eventually gave other countries like china and russia the confidence to expand their territories because the united states was too busy fighting itself to stop them this eventually led to world war three with the nuclear exchange in 2015 in his timeline none of that happened in our timeline however 2020 kicks off with covid and countries and economies around the world are completely losing stability leading to more distrust of government it's almost like events are happening later on our timeline but with different variables involved i mean i get where he's coming from i don't know another thread says a theory why john teeter returned to 2000 and 2001 he knew that someone influential would be lurking and reading his posts, which would be common knowledge in 2036. Someone else says, I think it's more interesting that he stopped posting right before 9-11 happened. And someone replied, this is an interesting point. 9-11 was basically the start of the downfall of the world we live in today. No doubt Teeter chose to communicate with us at the time he did because it was no doubt a strategic move. And then someone else replied, maybe he lost control over time travel and it went to some other much more scary being. Or perhaps all of this is way more confusing than any of us think. I'm not sure which. So see, some people like really, really buy into this. Mm -hmm. My question would be, who exists today that we can verify that has also predicted all of these things? You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah, 100%. But... 
it's it's scary to me, that, the fact that he quote unquote allegedly predicted these things doesn't mean a whole lot because a no. lot of people have predicting been predicting what we're going through right now for yeah, a really long time 100 percent. and uh you know like like uh that Matheny said that they looked at what was going on in the world at that time mm-hmm. and then just kind of like pulled that into played off of it played, played off, off of, of that fears. with their with their yeah with their the- with their predictions so to speak mm-hmm. but i guess what really freaks me out is how people buy into this yes you mm-hmm. know and it, it's like with no it's, real evidence. it's like the qAnon stuff like if you have that certain mindset and you buy into that that becomes solid in your brain. Like yeah, you, no one's going to convince you otherwise. No one is going to convince you otherwise because they're stupid and you're smart. It's the flat earther thing. Yeah, too, it's totally the like. flat earther thing. But that's but it's scary how many people. Like Corey and I love the John Teeter story. Like yeah, we love talking about it, but neither of us think it's real. No, but it's fascinating. But there's people that like the like he said. It's almost like a religious fervor that so many right. people believe in this story. There's no tangible evidence to prove that any of it is real no you know he had pictures of like his time machine schematics and stuff like that <laughs> yeah, and, <so. laughs> and a picture of the laser beam bending in the car when he was going through time sure. and, and it's just so easy to fake any pictures yeah. but it amazes me how much people buy into yeah, me too in the his story and then part of the john teeter story is a woman called pamela moore according to the website michaelsovi.com Quote, no poster interacted with John Teeter as frequently or as intimately as Pamela Moore. In addition to being one of the most frequent posters in both the Time Travel Institute and post-to-post threads, she also interacted with John Teeter over Instant Messenger and claims to have shared a deep bond with him. Beyond this, Pamela also claimed that John Teeter provided her with a secret song that could be used to verify anyone who'd come forward claiming to be John Teeter. A secret song? Yes. Most most significantly, she claims that John Teeter mailed her a piece of the IBM 5100 logo and that while it came with no return address, there was an Orlando postmark. Pamela claimed that she had dreamt about John Teeter before he became known. She herself has said, quote, Everyone thinks I started out asking John too many detailed questions when he came in 2000. But the truth was, I had a detailed dream about a time traveler in 1998. I didn't know exactly when I had the dream when I started talking to John in the beginning, but I remembered that dream. The questions I was asking him and his answers are what I saw in the dream, so that's why I kept asking detailed questions. By that time, I was intrigued with him. In my dream, I was in a car time traveling with a man where what he described exactly matched my dream. Later, before he left, he said he had a stop in April of 1998. I went and grabbed my notebook, and at the top was the date, April 1998. My mouth dropped, and then I told John about my dream. So she claims that she dreamt about him in April of April of 1998, and when he left, he went back to April. You know, so it's like, did he tell her that? But she says that he didn't know that that she dreamt about him. Mm-hmm. So it's weird. There's like weird stuff, or is like Pamela Moore herself part of this story? Or wanted, I, I believe she's not be because people people have doxed her, and I think people know who she is, and she's just, you know, she could be somebody who just wanted to insert themselves yeah. into the phenomenon. Though. Yeah, but he claims that there's she claimed that there's this secret song that is like there code message you know like if i like if i said hey i'm john krista if i if anybody's pretending to be me our song is pour some sugar on me by def leppard sure (laughs) you know but the song that has gotten completely tied up in this is a song by the band the b52s called trism there's a song called trism and it's about time travel oh okay and i'm not going to mention any names on here but there is somebody out there that has a blog that is like 
invested in this story way too much and okay. they kind of harass the band about this song claiming that really the band are either time travelers oh, or yeah so it's but but like when you do a search about the b-52s trism there's a lot of stuff about john teeter but pamela moore said no this is not the song that is our secret song that's like our code phrase so <laughs> it's just weird so the b-52s somehow got dragged into this with their song that came out in like in 1983 you know, and then, then some people say that Teeter went back in time and caused them to write this song so that it could become the song between oh him and Pamela. So it's it's goofy. It's crazy. I just feel like this is one of those scenarios where anybody could say anything and we can't prove or disprove no, any of it. But that's that's why Teeter said that it's not so much a time travel thing, it's like a timeline thing. Sure. So yeah, if something didn't happen here that he predicted, it's because we're in a different timeline. You know, but then some people say what he predicted is close enough to what is going on in the world now that they believe that it's just the timeline from his world got postponed a little in our world. I This is crazy stuff. It really is. So he, he appeared in the early 2000s? Yeah, 2000? like 2000. So right before 9-11. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah. Why, are you starting to buy the job? Are you starting not to get, are you starting Not even <laughs> remotely. No. Okay. I just think You had that look and I'm like, oh my God. No, you're, you're, no, no, no. I just feel like it's somebody playing on yeah, what's going on. That's what in this math and he says is that it was a story that this group came up with. And I think they got freaked out because they saw how people like clung on to this. Yeah. Corey says he knows people that swear that this is real, wow. that that follow everything. You know, so it's scary. And I'm even picturing like the whoever this Pam was talking to yeah. is just some person who's messing with her. Yeah. You yeah. know what I mean? Yeah. Any exactly. random person. Exactly. Exactly. I don't know. But everybody, if you go, there, there's so many people that have John Teeter as their username now and stuff that it's just crazy. I think it's also a matter of just wanting to believe in something yeah. more. Yeah, exactly. But that leads to the next thing, which is TikTok time travelers. One of these, there's so many people on TikTok that claim to be time travelers. Really? One of these I've seen a lot like in the news. Why TikTok? November 11th, 2021 article on Dextero.com called, quote, TikTok time traveler from 2027 goes viral with eerie proof videos. I mean, it's pretty catchy. Yeah, TikTok it is. TikTok time traveler? It is. And a November 2021 article on HITC.com called, quote, meet Javier a.k.a. Unico Sobrevivente. I don't even know how to sure. pronounce that. TikTok's time traveler from 2027. So these articles say, quote, TikTok has seen its fair share of viral content over the years with some videos being more bizarre than others. That's an understatement. Although some users get famous on the app for their dancing or lip syncing skills, others have gone viral for very different reasons. One strange trend that continues to crop up is time traveler accounts. This has included a number of different people who claim to be from either the near or distant future who post rather specific predictions for events that will happen in the future or show videos as proof of what the future looks like. While some make it clear they're doing this as a joke or for a narrative game, others appear to present their accounts as though they're the real deal. And I can't pronounce this name. User Uni Cozo Brevavente, or Lone Survivor, is a TikToker claiming to be from the year 2027 in which they are the last person left on a deserted earth. The but they have the internet. Yeah. The verified <laughs> user has over 6.5 million followers, which he's garnered 6.5 million followers. Maybe we need to claim that you and I are time travelers. And maybe get we some, need a TikTok account. Maybe we need a TikTok <laughs> account and to claim that we're time travelers. Uh, they, this user has over 6.5 million followers, which he's garnered from posting videos of apparently abandoned places to prove that he is the last human being left in 2027. His biography reads, my name is Javier and I am alone in the world. 
He goes by the same name on Instagram, too, where he has over 632,000 followers. Similar to his TikTok bio, the description of his Instagram profile reads in Spanish, My name is Javier. I've traveled in time since 2027, and I'm alone in the world. He has never revealed his face. In the comments section, he writes, I am trapped between 2021 and 2027. I am in a world parallel to yours. His videos are interesting, though. Recently, he shared a TikTok video from a hotel in Barcelona where he was residing. The video captures usually busy, empty streets from the top floor without a sign of any living beings. The daytime clip shows usually busy roads completely abandoned. However, they're weird. Like, you know, if you you know these streets or look up videos of these streets or pictures, they're always packed and there's absolutely nobody on the streets making them look completely deserted. However, however, people are not convinced that it's real and have been flooding the videos with comments challenging the claims made about the future. One of them says, quote, if you're the last human on Earth, then why are the traffic lights still on? How is there still electricity? Exactly. One user questioned. Another wrote, quote, my garden gets overgrown in less than a week, but all the landscaping here remains perfect with nobody tending it. Uh-huh. Many have been asking them to go live on either TikTok or Instagram to give definitive proof, but others have already made up their minds about whether it's real or it's fake. Javier posted a nighttime version of the video a day before he posted its latest one, and users pointed out how there wasn't a red car in the night video, which was pretty visible in the daytime one. Hmm. So people are theorizing that he took all of these videos during the first weeks of lockdown, yes. when there was nobody on the streets. Sure. And he's he has so many of these that he's using them now to show the world being empty of people yeah but so many people buy into this too. and so is the idea in his explanation he travels in time takes these videos travels back in time i don't and know posts he's them in on a TikTok? parallel he's in a parallel universe it doesn't to make us. any sense it's almost like the stephen king story the langoliers where yeah they're, uh, trapped, they, in they're the... trapped in like that one was weird it was like when when you and i when movie. you and, <laughs> the movie was horrible but the story so was good it's like when you and i go to tomorrow this whole world is just left from today, but it's completely empty because we've moved into tomorrow. Mm. So these things come and dismantle the world. Mm-hmm. It sounds dumb, but it was a good story. Mm-hmm. The movie, horrible, but it was a good story. It's just, I'm the logic with the other people. If yeah. the world has ended, the grid would be down. Yeah. There'd be no electricity or yeah. any utilities no, or anything exactly, like that. Exactly. Cars would but not they're, run. But they're, they are really well done. I mean, it legitimately sure. looks like the world is empty. I'm sure, it's entertaining. So, yep. So there's some time travel stuff for you. <laughs> Chris, that just rolled her eyes. Mm-hmm. The next story we're going to do is uh, one that we did not that long ago. I think it might have been last season, but Dash said he follows it. And Dash said there's been some updates since then. So I looked into it. And that is, I really like the story too. The story of the Tate House with the sounds coming from underneath yes. it. Yeah. I remember that story. Yes. That was fascinating. Yep. So for a little background... A June 2019 article on The Mirror says, quote, On a June evening in 2018, Christine Tate was making coffee in the kitchen at the house on Ammonford, Carmarthenshire. Yep, that sounds right. It's a long English name. I think it's Ammonford. It always Car- ends in Shire. Yeah, I think it's Ammonford, <laughs> Carmarthenshire. Sure. But while she stood over the kettle, she became convinced that she could hear strange noises. Over the coming weeks, the couple were disturbed by the sounds of women and children screaming, heavy knocking, and men talking in a foreign language. Although they had lived in the house for 11 years, within weeks the couple left and vowed never to return. 
The couple, who are now living in a camper van, set up recording devices around the house to investigate the noises. It was like a flushing noise that I heard at first, she told Wales online. I told Alan about it, and I couldn't figure out where it was coming from. He left his phone in the bathroom with a recorder on to try to pick up the source of the noise, and then we could hear a machine running. We started to record all over the house, and we picked up the sounds of chains, a motorbike starting, and people screaming. The Tates, both 62 years old, soon realized the noises were subterranean and appeared to be coming from underneath the basement that sits below the kitchen. Determined to get to the bottom of the mystery, Alan dug two 1.5-meter channels into the walls and placed recording equipment inside the shafts. He said the sounds he picked up included, quote, a woman screaming, sexual sounds, dogs barking, a printing press running, a motorbike, a car horn, a car horn horning, and what sounded <laughs> and what sounded like a police siren. Not blowing. Not blowing. A car okay. horn horning. Horning. And what sounded like a police siren. I very we, distinctly remember the printing press and thinking, that's so weird. We will, oh, yeah, we're going to listen to those in a little bit. Okay, awesome. Uh, we put microphones at the front of the house, at the back of the house, inside and out, and in the basement. The device we left in the basement picked up the screaming and other noises. The other devices, which were recording at the same time at the front and back of the property, picked up nothing at all. Hmm. Lucy's picking up something. She is right picking now. up something. She's Are there sounds coming from under your house? Running, yeah, I'm running <laughs> to the front door for some reason. The Tates believe that there are men, women, and children living, sleeping, and working underneath the house. Alan believes that there are, quote, quite a lot of people down there and is concerned that it could be connected to human trafficking as well as drug manufacturing. And I, if you go to his YouTube channel, he has a lot of stuff on there, but he also deletes old stuff quite a bit. Okay. So a lot of the old stuff I looked at is gone, but there's a lot of new stuff in its place. So so you guys don't have to go back and listen to the old episode. I have like a clip that has like an almost two-minute stream that he put on his YouTube page of some of the sounds that they caught that they say are coming from underneath his basement. So in this clip, the voice you hear at the beginning is Alan Tate himself talking about... I edited some of the beginning out because he was talking about other stuff, but this is him like like saying that these are some of the sounds he recorded, and then there's like an almost two-minute stream of some of the more interesting sounds they recorded that they claim are coming from underneath their basement. So Have we he, ever heard this before? We've heard some of these, but this is like a two-minute, there's additional ones on here. He actually has a clip on his because people were complaining that he was cherry-picking. He put like a five-hour oh, recording, so people are going through that. Mm. So here is like a two-minute condensed version of some of the more interesting sounds they caught on their recording. Okay. Before we get started, you need to know two things. The first is there are no residential buildings nearby. The second is that the noises you're about to hear were all recorded after 11.30 at night in a 1.6 metre shaft that I dug in the basement of the house that sits behind Sophia Nails in Ammonford.
Wow. Yeah. It's a I lot mean, of screaming. It is. And the thing is, he does live near a park. But he also says that a, a lot of these, almost all of these, were recorded after 1130 at night. And why and would they be so loud in his basement? That's what people say. Unless it's a weird acoustic thing, something to do with pipes or something like that. Uh, he says that park is, is, I mean, there's kids playing, but it's not, some of these screams sounded like pain screams, not yeah, like, not, not like, like kids, kids having playing. fun. Right. No. And it's weird. Like, I don't know. Hmm. You know, I always kind of blow him off and then I hear some of these and it's like, wow. And he says that six other people have recorded stuff, not just him because they don't In really own, basement. they left that house. Oh, right. But it's people go to there with their recorders and they're catching stuff too. So I don't know. I mean, it's just weird. And those sounds are creepy. There's some in there that sound like somebody in pain or getting killed or something. Torture, whatever. So it's weird. Uh, What freaks me out is that it sounds like a lot of kids. Yeah. Like there's a baby crying That's one of the reasons why people suspect it might be like a trafficking, like a child trafficking. You know, and there are, it used to, there used to be cave mines in that area. So people are wondering if there aren't tunnels underneath his building where people are using it yeah where people are using it to do stuff with kids Mm, or to traffic kids but it kind of got it he kind of got someone would have investigated that he kind of got into a little trouble because he lives behind a building called sophia nails which is like a nail salon i believe and he's kind of claiming that they have something to do with it and then he like doxed the guy that runs the business and about how he's had trouble with stuff in the past so yeah uh, behind Sophia Nails. He brought the evidence to the police, but they didn't do anything, and he feels that the police eventually started harassing him. Then people began to take their own recordings and do their own investigations. He requested the files of any complaints against him that led to two police officers visiting him, but there weren't any records of any complaints. The police report that he got was redacted, but because it was a, a computer file, he was able to undo the redacting, oh, which is weird. <laughs> yeah, he he has videos of all of this on his YouTube page. He shows the 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 document, and then he shows how he was able to take off what they crossed out. Mm-hmm. You know, so it's really interesting. But there were no complaints against him. No, and there but there was a huge time discrepancy about when the officers arrived and were said to return home. He started then suspecting that something was going on in the building attached to the business, and there is some sketchy stuff. It's mostly an open, unused building, but there's stuff like plastic sheets in the windows. So he was wondering if something wasn't going on inside that building that, you know, it's almost like a Pizzagate thing where, you know, people believe that the guy, the Pizzagate guy, like has like this secret basement in a Mm. nearby building where he does stuff with kids. Mm. And I think that's kind of where this is going is that building that's empty is where they're doing stuff with kids. Uh, It's mostly an open, unused building, but there's stuff like plastic sheets in the windows. It was denied that any large machinery had been in there, but people have heard machinery running in the building. So it's weird. Are the, my question... (laughs) I don't get the significance of the plastic sheets. like So people don't see what's going on inside the building. Mm. You know. It's not that they're missing windows and they're trying <laughs> to protect know. the building from weather? I don't know. But the Tates <laughs> sold the house. According to an article called A Mysterious House That Caused Its Owners to Flee Wales Has Now Been Sold, it says, quote, The property in College Street and in Manaford went on auction on May 18th after the owners announced they wanted to move on with their lives. Married couple Alan and Christine Tate had always wanted to retire in Wales, and when the fire-damaged property came up in 2007, they knew it had potential. They planned to renovate the building and turn it into a four-bedroom bed and breakfast while they lived in a flat together on site. 
But for the past three years, the couple have refused to step one foot in their dream home because of the peculiar noises they said were coming from beneath the basement. Instead, the Tates have been touring the UK in a van trying to raise awareness of the sinister activities they believe are happening underground, that men, women, and children are living, sleeping, and working underneath the house. Hmm. So on one... Uh, there's a really good forum where, and I, I give Alan credit because there's a forum where every question anybody asks him, he replies. He doesn't mm-hmm. blow off anybody. Even when people are saying he's crazy, he responds. Yeah. So mm-hmm. I give him super credit for that because it's easy just to dismiss that. But he answered every question anybody asked. Although at the same time, I, I think, dude, you're all consumed by this. Yes. <laughs> yep. One user on a forum said, quote, sounds of pumping and flushing could be some kind of Santa flow type system used for small bore toilet pipes, with search, which certainly do make very odd noises. On the other hand, a house near us was discovered to have been an unsuspected cannabis farm. It had been rented out, and when the lease was up, the landlord made an inspection after the tenants had left and found it full of all kinds of paraphernalia, foil ducting, gallon containers of plant food, scores of plant pots, compost, etc., etc., we never saw anyone go in or come out of it. This was in a village location right next to a main road. I know a couple of small venues used for, quote, alternative parties, all between consenting adults in a BDSM scene. Mm. Uh, that's a party. <laughs> uh, I know I knew, I knew of a couple small venues used for alternative parties, both in the urban southeast of England. One was in a tiny basement below a terraced house. Nothing sinister as, stu- as such but may have led to some reports of very strange noises if eavesdropped upon. And I can imagine if mm-hmm. it's like a bondage house. Right. The other was in a light industrial complex and sign posted on the exterior as a bland commercial studio. Behind the door, though, was a multi-level adults club space with about 11, 12 different spaces at least. Strange stuff can happen in very unlikely places. Another user points out, the recorded motorbike noise couldn't have come from underground because there is a Doppler effect as it goes past, which totally makes mm-hmm. sense, which you would yeah. not have underground. Right. Another user says, quote, reports appear to employ the emotive but actually quite generic term screams, but the linked video is clearly recorded in daylight hours and the noises sound more like the squeals of children playing in the park. It may be no coincidence that there is a park with a pitch of some sort and what looks like tennis courts out the back of the building in question. <laughs> Also, so the, really close. Yeah. Also, the building is an absolute crap hole. I can't help thinking that this is a case of a couple of retirees with overblown expectations, exasperated by a severe underestimation of the efforts involved, realizing that they have bitten off way more than they could chew and looking for any excuse to do a runner. Switch, I get. Yeah. But then Alan says, it seems to me that someone is going to great lengths to stop this story from getting out. And he says that he's being blocked by the police. He doxed several people that live in his community that have criminal records, and he believes that they are the ones running this thing. So, I don't know. I don't know. I just feel like other than these recordings, there's zero proof of anything shady going on at all. Uh, (laughs) It's all just theories that he has, and he's kind of putting blame on people that he has no proof have done anything wrong. Yep. Alan goes on to say there one of the sound clips sounds like somebody saying why Gareth why the babies died and he says that does sound bizarre and needs investigations could it come from a tv if the sound had come from a tv wouldn't you expect to be able to record a longer audio clip of the sound and that's true like if it's a sound from a tv you would expect to hear the entire dialogue right not just not just this one part Personally, he's changing the channels. Yes. Personally, he says, I do not think the screaming noises are coming from children playing, especially as a lot of those noises were recorded after 1130 at night. We established the noises were not coming from the street or the park by using four different recorders in different places. 
For comparison purposes, if a strange or odd noise was recorded, we checked to see if the noise could be heard on the other recorders in the front or rear of the property. If the noise was on the recorder in the basement and not on any of the other recorders, then we could tell the noise did not come from the front or the back of the house. We also tested both sides of the properties in different experiments. The noises were only on the recorders in the basement. Maybe his basement so, is just haunted. <laughs> I, that's one of the people say that. Like when that forum, somebody said, how have we gone nine pages talking about this? But nobody kind of suggested maybe it's haunted. Maybe it's and he said, he said they did have ghost hunting, a ghost hunting group come in and look at it. And, and, what and they thought conclusion? it was EVPs. But he thinks it's it's not, you know. I can understand why the police would try to block something like this because if there's no actual evidence of anything, he's creating a panic situation for no reason. You know yeah. what I mean? Yeah. But uh, it's, I like, because he, he has like this YouTube video of where it is on Google Maps and some, somebody else that recorded there has a video of them walking to it. So I know this area now like the back mm-hmm. of my hand. But he did like dox the people there. He says, uh, he says, so it's not suspicious that the lease the leaseholder of the shop in front of the house was convicted for her part in 15 illicit drug factories or the fact that the man who ran the shop next door was convicted of rape at gunpoint and attempted child molestation. And then he says, my website was taken down. My Facebook was blocked. Documents were forged. I was even banned on BitChute. Then I noticed that news articles that had been written about me had started to become removed from the internet, which it did because a lot of the ones I tried to go to weren't there anymore. Hmm. But then people said it's because after a certain amount of time they take those stories off the site but he says it's because he's being that there's sure. a conspiracy against him now so that's i don't know the slant he would that's see, that's though. what i got for this it's know. you it's know fascinating it is fascinating and it's weird because i don't think those screams sound like kids playing in a no, park I don't it think sounds so like kids being killed it yeah. really does you know but is it coming from underground is it coming from one of the, the buildings nearby you know just because somebody was accused of something doesn't mean that they're running some kind of trafficking thing or even if they were convicted of yeah, something it doesn't, it doesn't mean, mean they're doing but, but there yeah. are some weird sounds and is it possible that maybe it is an acoustic thing where it, it is the park or it is something else near there that because of the the duct system or the dirt or something that it's causing these sounds to come to sound like they're coming from underneath the house yeah there could be some kind of drainage system in the park yeah. so that water doesn't gather yeah. where people are playing or on the tennis court yeah. or whatever and it runs underneath his house i don't know but i 100 percent think it's interesting it's very i don't know i don't know if i think it's an underground there's not there's no other proof other than the sounds though. I feel no. like there's got to be more proof before you start accusing your neighbors of doing yeah. these things. Yeah. So it's a fascinating story and mm-hmm. that that you know they have sold the house and they moved on but people are still going there to and he's still trying to raise awareness believing that there is something going on either underground there or in one of the buildings surrounding his house. Mm-hmm. So there you go. Interesting. Tate House. Uh I maybe put the link to that YouTube channel uh, in strangers in case you want to look it up because it is interesting stuff mm-hmm. you know for for being a 62 year old guy he's pretty good at like doing making videos and doing stuff like that on youtube and dash is the one that, that dash has said <laughs> dash messaged me and said have you kept up with the tate house stuff and he said it's been really interesting so that's kind of why i wanted to revisit this one totally off topic sort of but do you remember the watcher story yeah 
Yeah. There's actually, I was looking through movies on Prime, Amazon Prime, to try to find something to watch the other day, and I didn't watch it, but yeah. there is a movie now loosely based on that story cool. of The Watcher. So it's I might Amazon have to Prime? check it out. Amazon I finished Prime. And Alias. It's free. I finished Alias. Oh, finally? <laughs> yeah. The last episode annoyed me, but I'm not going to talk about that. <laughs> they took two people, two characters that I really liked, that they were making like complex characters that were pretty good. And they find they knew they were getting canceled, so they're like, let's just make these two the big bads for the whole show. Oh. And then it's like undid everything good that they had that done sucks. before. But one of my students told me I should I needed to watch Reacher. Oh, I keep seeing that too. And I watched it, it and it was fun. really good. It was yeah. seriously really, really good. It seems like I love the Jason Bourne stuff. Yeah. It seems like more of a lighthearted or comical it, it, version. It's of not that, comical, maybe? but I mean okay. it, it's the fight scenes are really good. But it, it's it was really good. It was like better than I expected it to be. So Reacher on Amazon Prime is really, really good. Cool. So a little little segue there. Mm-hmm. Now we're gonna move to our last one, which is Mothman. Yes. Uh I Drop the ball on this because I think this could be a whole episode. And I did not realize that. I didn't realize that going into this. I knew from Tobias, you know, Tobias, I I follow him. uh, Yeah, Tobias Wayland. I follow him on on Facebook and Mm -hmm. there's always posts about the Chicago area, Mothman. And I did not realize how extensive this was until I started looking at it. I mean, this should almost, I don't want to take away from Tobias though. This should be something, but I feel like this is almost something we should focus on kind of like we do on Missing 411 Yeah. because this is crazy. This stuff is like, I have a bunch of accounts here from O'Hare, from O'Hare, mm. but I think we could. So do I, these come from his website? These come from, there's three different websites that I used. Okay. There's uh, his site, Tobias. Uh, Singular 14? Yep. Singular 14.com. There's UFO Clearinghouse, where a lot of these came from. And then there's Lon Strickland's Phantoms and Monsters site. And those three are like the holy trinity for the uh, recent Mothman sightings. So that's where these all come from. But I had no idea how much there was. So I'm going to talk. I have like four or five stories, all from O'Hare. And I think we could do these, but I also think we could almost do a whole nother episode about Mothman, recent Mothman stuff, because it's super interesting. So these are basically just stories about the Mothman scene around O'Hare. And I had no idea it was like this. So the first one comes from July 22nd, 2021, around 10.30 p.m. at Chicago's O'Hare Airport. Uh, And this guy's name comes up a lot. Manuel Navarrete? of the UFO Clearinghouse website recently published an account from three witnesses who claimed to have seen a security detachment respond to a winged humanoid sighting at the United Cargo Facility at Chicago's O'Hare International Airport. On the ufoclearinghouse.com website, August 3rd, 2021, in an article titled, quote, Winged Humanoid Sighting at O'Hare International Airport Prompts Security Response, says, quote, I was walking to my car with two of my friends after getting off of work and we were talking about the day and how it felt good to get off and head home. As we approached the car, I saw something moving across the street but on the other side of the fence. It was dark but you could easily see it as the entire area was lit up and there was a plane that had been brought up near the fence for unloading slash loading and there was a lot of activity around the plane. As we walked, I pointed this figure out to my friends and they also saw the same thing. About this time, a white SUV came driving up with its emergency flashing lights on and came to a halt on the road on the other side of the fence. Two men jumped out and shone some flashlights on this figure, prompting the figure to turn around and stare at them. 
It looked to be about six or seven feet tall and was a very dark shade of gray, almost black, and had what looked like two large glowing red eyes, but that could have been from the flashlights being shined in its direction. About 10 seconds after the first vehicle arrived, another came up on the same side of the fence as this figure and illuminated it with its headlights. I remember hearing my friends say, quote, Lord have mercy, as we watched the scene unfold in front of us. It was about this time that the person opened up what looked like a pair of giant bat wings and flew up into the air. As it flew up and over the people that were now gathered around, it let out a loud screech that sounded a lot like train brakes or the brakes from a large truck. It flew around in a large circle twice, screeching the whole time, and then flew out over the fence and toward the runways and the terminals in the distance. As we watched, a white pickup truck with a TSA, or Transportation Security Administration, emblem came up towards us with its emergency lights on and told us and the others who had been gathered in the parking lot to clear out and get in our cars and leave the area immediately. We did as we were told, and as we drove out of the parking lot, we saw another three marked vehicles and just as many unmarked vehicles pull into the street and parking lot all with their lights on. I took my friends home and we talked extensively about it. One of my friends who worked the later shift at United told me that airport security and TSA were in the area and asking people who stepped outside to please go back inside for their safety, and they were out there for at least an hour to an hour and a half. Was So there were no photos or video taken nope. of any of this? Nope. <laughs> okay. Nope. Just checking. Uh, but this uh, Navarrete, one thing that I love about these is that he follows up. It, it, he, you know, it's just a story, but then he gets in touch with the people. Okay. So the investigator said he was later able to speak with all three witnesses over the telephone. He states, quote, all three witnesses are in their mid-30s and work at the United Cargo Sorting Facility and have been there for a number of years, Navarrete said. All three witnesses were interviewed separately and all three tell the same story as seen from three different points of view. All three tell of the entity being seen by the initial witness who then told her other two friends to look at that over there. What stuck out as odd to them was the fact that the entity was so close to the fence and was clad all in black in contrast to the high visibility attire worn by ground personnel. One of the witnesses said that she was initially worried that it was a person who had hopped the fence and was going to approach the nearby plane. The witnesses told me that there were multiple ground personnel working in the area and that one of the control towers was about 100 yards away, which probably prompted the immediate response by airport security and the TSA. When asked to describe the entity, all three gave pretty close descriptions of a solid black entity about six to seven feet in height. And when it turned to face the security personnel, it was described as having glowing red eyes, but the witnesses could not agree if the eyes were self-illuminating or if they were simply reflecting the light of the security personnel's flashlights. Mm. All three witnesses did describe the entity having a large set of bat-like wings that were approximately 10 to 12 feet in width and that it did flap them to get into the air. All three described the noise the entity made as sounding like train brakes or truck brakes, and all three described them as very loud. The entity did circle the area at least twice, which is something that until now has not been described by prior witnesses. The entity then flew off to the north and toward the active runways. I'm staring at your hat. As I, I, that's why I wore my Mothman. That's why I wore my Mothman hat. glowing yep. red eyes. <laughs> yep. This latest sighting is only a few hundred yards away from the now infamous Rest Haven Cemetery and the FedEx cargo facility where a number of anomalous sightings have been reported and is next door to the facility where a supposed gray alien was sighted about two years ago. Hmm. The entire area where this latest sighting occurred has accounted for a large number of sightings that have been reported. So there's one of the stories. O'Hare is weird. There's like a lot of, we, we, we're going to have to do a whole episode about O'Hare okay. and the Mothman. Another story comes from the Phantom of Monsters website by Lon Strickland. 
This one says, quote, I received the following email on August 9th, 2021. I corresponded with the witness who is seriously fearful of losing his job because he came forward. I will only refer to the witness as EW. The person writes, quote, I saw your article about the flying creature at O'Hare, and I wanted to reach out to tell you what I saw on that night. I am reaching out to tell you the story, but I do not want any of my information being given out to the public because I will not risk losing my job over this. We have been told by our supervisors never report anything that we saw to anybody outside of the company, so I am taking a huge chance reporting this to you. We were unloading a cargo plane that had just arrived from the Miami hub when a couple of people noticed this large person that was standing over by the fence about 40 feet from the plane. It was tall, about 7 feet tall, and was completely black but with some solid red glowing eyes. We radioed it in since we figured it was some idiot that might have scaled the fence that was wandering around the tarmac. We are told to report anything suspicious we see to our supervisors who will then call in security and take that person away. The security people came within three minutes of our call and had shined some lights on it when I saw that it was black and had a large pair of wings. It then took off into the air and started making a loud sound before flying off. After it flew off, a bunch of other people showed up, including many of our supervisors. We all heard about the things that were seen around the airport, including the Mothman, but I never really believed it until I saw this thing with my own eyes. I talked about it with some of my friends, and they saw the same thing, but we're not going to say anything because we were told at our meeting that we are not to report anything we saw to anybody except our supervisors. We were told not, do not report it to the news or anybody who asked about what was seen at the airport. I am submitting this to you, but I want to remain anonymous because I've had this job since I left the Navy, and I don't want to risk losing my job or my benefits. I have been here over six years and have a family to support and cannot risk losing my job over something weird like this. The birds are so loud. I know. <laughs> it's so interesting to me that this feels very legit. You know what I mean? Yeah. And uh, people when, are when he said people were in their mid thirties, that's not like a teenager. That's right. that's you know. Not that thirty year old people don't lie, but yeah. I just feel like totally unrelated people yeah. who don't know each other are reporting the same exact yes. thing. Yep radioing it into someone like because they think someone's trespassing and then yeah getting a surprise yeah of what but it this really, is like an account from two crazy. different two different people like yeah. one was a group of three or four people and the other one was this last guy so i mean it's the same night the same situation and they yeah. both saw totally different perspectives they both saw the same thing there was also another sighting according to manuel navarrete there was also another sighting. According to Manuel Navarrete, it happened at a construction site near Chicago's O'Hare International Airport at around 10 p.m. on March 5th. The person wrote in, quote, I was out driving around with a guy I had just started talking to. We were out by the airport just cruising around, listening to music and getting to know each other. We decided to, we decided to park and smoke some bud, and one thing led to another. We were in the back seat when he looked up and started <laughs> oh, screaming. Oh, well then. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> We were in the back seat. Wow, the birds are loud outside. They're really loud. <laughs> we were in the back seat when he looked up and started screaming, what the F, over and over again. It was then that we felt something bump into the side of the car, like oh some, when someone slammed up on the side of your ride. I sat up and saw a pair of big... Oh, that bird is super loud. Ready? Mm-hmm. I sat up and saw a pair of bright red eyes and a big black body looking into the driver's side window into the back seat. That's creepy. Very creepy. It scared the hell out of the both of us, and we started screaming out loud. This thing kept looking into the car, and then it just disappeared. A security guard shows up, then two more show up. They made us get out of the car and started asking us why we were there. But after looking at us, they started asking about what we had seen. We had told them, and they screamed at us to get dressed and leave. 
She described the entity as being tall and thinly built with bright red eyes that were glowing. She also described feeling the car move as if someone had slammed against the side of it, followed by her partner starting to scream. The witness described the entity as bending down to peer into the window and from the brief glimpse she saw of it when she sat up, described it as owl-like. Her partner told her that it looked like its eyes were set into the creature's shoulders. That's weird. That is weird. Like really wide set. Yeah. The witness stated that the creature was gone within a few seconds that almost immediately the security guards arrived. When asked how long from the creature leaving to the security guards' arrival, the witness said that she was certain the guards had to have seen the creature taken off as they arrived. So did they say that it just ran away or it flew away? It just disappeared. Away? I don't know okay. if it flew away, if it ran away, hmm. but this thing was looking in the car That's window. So <laughs> you know, in a very just, vulnerable yeah, position. Just, <laughs> yeah, they were just trying to do a little hanky-panky. <laughs> you know, but is it is it something that, you know, did they get busted by security and then they just made up this story? But right. then why would they, you know? Because security came anyway. Yeah, so it's like, I don't know. This next one is also from the UFO Clearinghouse site. An anonymous user submitted this, saying, quote, This happened on September 24th, 2020. I had just left work at the USPS sorting facility at O'Hare Airport at around 11 p.m. on Thursday, the 24th of September, and was walking out to my car when I saw something standing at the far end of the parking lot where I usually park. At first, I thought it was a very tall person with a long coat. As it got closer to my car, I unlocked my car, which caused my headlights to come on. My headlights hit the person standing about 25 feet from my car, causing it to turn and look right at me. I saw that this was not some person, but some red-eyed thing, and what appeared to be a coat were actually wings, which had spread out as it turned to look at me. At first, I thought it was some kind of very, very large bird, but I had never seen any bird that stood almost 7 feet tall. I'm 5'4", and this thing looked taller than me by at least 2 feet. The thing then started making some type of chirping sound, almost a half chirp and half click, like someone was clicking their tongue, but much, much faster. It then made some type of screeching noise and took off running towards me. It got to within 10 feet of me, and then it took off into the air and flew above me. I saw Krista shaking her head. You don't like anything running at you. Nope. (laughs) I was screaming hysterically as I crouched down behind the car's open door, and I dived into my car head first. I was in a near panic as I tried to start the car, close and lock the doors, and turn on my interior lights. I started my car and took off out of the parking lot and flew down the road until I hit the main road. I got home and told my husband, who also works at the same facility, and he was the one who told me about the sightings of this thing. I was scared poopless, and I hope to never see this thing again. This thing is roaming around the area, scaring people half to death. I hope the airport people decide to do something about this thing someday. And then the investigator met with her and added the following. The witness is a 17-year veteran of the USPS and has worked at the O'Hare sorting facility for the last 15 years. She advised that on the night of question, she was walking towards her car after her shift had ended and was checking her text messages on her phone as she made the familiar walk to her vehicle. I asked her if there were other people around to which she answered no, as most of the other employees leave right after shift change and she usually sticks around to help take care of the transition. As the witness walked to the car, she noticed what looked like a very tall man at the far end of the parking lot, and she reasonably thought it was one of her co-workers. As she walked towards the car, she deactivated the car alarm, which automatically turned on the car headlights. The headlights illuminated the person at the other end of the parking lot, and it turned towards her, revealing a pair of bright red eyes and spread what looked like giant pair of wings. When asked how big the wings were, she could not give me a definite answer, but guesstimated that they must have been between 10 and 12 feet across. The being then began making a series of clicking noises, which she described as a cross between a click and a chirping. The being then let out a large metallic screech that she described to the investigator sounding like the brakes on a large truck or a train. The witness then described 
that it began running towards her in these very long strides, after which it took off into the air. When I asked her to describe the bean and how it looked or flew, she said she did not look up as she was too busy flinging the car door open and diving into her car while screaming. <laughs> the, <laughs> the, wit- the witness stated that she started her car and turned on the interior lights, all while trying to keep her wits about her. When the investigator asked her if she saw which way the creature flew away, she said that she didn't care where it flew off to. She just wasn't going to stick around to find out. The witness advised that she left the area in a hurry and did not slow down until she had left the area and joined the main road and traffic. The witness was hesitant to elaborate any further, and the investigator decided to close the interview and thank the witness for her time. Another story, October 5th. Another story from Phantoms and Monsters website from October 5th, 2019. It started with this introductory email. Quote, I recently had a sighting of a black creature that flew off on Saturday, October 5th in Rosemont, Illinois, which is like three miles away from O'Hare. I reported the sighting to MUFON and was contacted by an investigator today who is demanding that I talk to him. I advised him that I did not want to talk to him and that I wanted to remain anonymous about this sighting. He then demanded that if I did not talk to him, that I would need to meet him in person to discuss the report and that he would have to take pictures and discuss the report in order for it to gain some validity. I felt very pressured to make myself available for the investigator and that he had no interest in my privacy as I had previously requested. I told him that if I went to extraordinary measures to ensure that my name or picture would not find itself all over the internet, I might do it. I explained to him that I only took up doing rideshare to provide extra income for my family and I did not want to have my information or my family's information posted all over the place for people to ridicule. After emailing back and forth with the MUFON investigator, I decided to look elsewhere for someone to report my sighting to. Someone who was going to respect my request for privacy. I just want to tell my story and then get on with my life. After looking around Google, I came upon your map and then your website, and that's what leads to my email today. I can copy and paste the text of my sighting to you, and I am available to speak via email, but I do not want to meet in person nor be in any photographs. So then he sent, I am not some nutter or some kook who is seeing things, and I have many, many more things to do than prank websites with made-up stories. I saw what I saw, and I remember it as clear as it happened five minutes ago. Honestly, how could you ever forget something like that? I am available in the afternoon and early evenings when I ride share. During the day, I am usually at work and only talk during my lunch break or during my breaks. I do not wish to talk to the MUFON investigator anymore, and if you are associated with MUFON, then I will have to respectfully decline speaking with anyone as they did not respect my wish to remain anonymous. After gaining the witness's trust, we eventually communicated freely. The following is a more detailed description of the incident and the being. The person writes, The encounter was so brief, but I also got a pretty good look at the creature. I was parked by a light pole. It allows me to park a little more off the road. I was fumbling around with some charging cables that lead to the back seat of the car for my passengers to use while in the car. I had my passenger side window down to give my air conditioner a break. It was then that I saw movement and looked up to see a creature emerging out of the trees. It was large, around six or seven feet tall. It was human-like in appearance, but almost solid black. There were no real features on this thing, just solid black. It swiveled its head around, looking and scanning, and that is when I saw the glowing red eyes. The rest of the body was thin. I remember making note that it looked like a thin person, and it was sort of hunched over because its arms were down to about its knees. The wings were about as wide and it was tall, so it was six to seven feet in width and looked like the wings of a bat. When it walked, it kind of had a weird stride, sort of like a waddle, not so much like a penguin, but the kind of stride that a large bird, like an emu, would have. It stood there for a few seconds looking around. I know I'm not the only one who saw it because there must have been three or four other drivers there waiting for their next call. It unfurled its wings and after a few seconds it began to flap them, slow at first and faster and faster as it leaped into the air. 
It flew like a large bird would. It used its wings to gain altitude, slowly adjusting itself into a more normal stance. The sounds of the wings were kind of muffled, but could still be heard for a few seconds. I will tell you something that I didn't tell the other person. In the moment it emerged from the trees, there was a strong smell of ammonia. It smelled like the old ammonia products when they used to clean the bathrooms. It was very pungent, but not overwhelming. When it took off, the smell was gone within a minute or two. It took off in a southerly direction, heading towards a giant inflatable building that houses the indoor golf range. I mean, granted, I'm not as familiar with Mothman phenomena as I am with Bigfoot, but this is the first time I've heard of a smell associated yeah, with Mothman. So, yeah, I don't think I've really ever heard a smell associated with it either. Another story, this is from UFO Clearinghouse, October 19th, 2019. And this person writes, this is also Rosemont, Illinois, which is like three miles away from O'Hare. This person writes, we were staying at the Edward Hotel in Rosemont, Illinois for a wedding we were attending that was being held at the hotel. During the reception and dance, I stepped outside to smoke a cigarette and get away from the noise for a few minutes. I took a walk towards the parking lot smoking and checked my phone when all of a sudden I heard a loud scream. It sounded like a woman screaming, so I looked up in the direction where the scream was coming from, hoping that it wasn't really a woman in danger. Next to the parking lot is a large field with some trees, but mostly a large vacant lot. I used my cell phone's flashlight to light the way and saw nothing except darkness. I walked over to the gravel path between the parking lot and the field towards where my car was parked. That's when I heard something like wings flapping and something flew right over the top of me, about maybe 7 to 10 feet above me. I could have easily thrown a rock and hit it as it flew over me and away. This thing was at least 6 feet tall and was solid black with large wings. It looked like a giant-sized bat flew right over the top of me. It was all black and kind of stuck out against the lights of the parking lot and the lights from around the area, including the gas station across the street. Three other people saw this thing as well, including a couple who were walking across the parking lot as I heard them talking about it. It flew towards the expressway and the BP gas station. This whole time it was screeching loud and flapping its wings hard like it was trying to gain height. When I lost sight of it, it was about the height of the billboard across the street, still shrieking away. Now I know I had been drinking during the wedding and was a little buzzed when I walked outside, but I was sober as a judge after seeing this thing. It was unnatural and it was pretty much the scariest thing I ever saw. I know for a fact I saw it and I know those other people saw it too. So then he called and talked to the guy over the phone saying, quote, The witness states that he and his girlfriend were attending a mutual friend's wedding reception when he decided to step outside and smoke a cigarette. He stated when he first heard the screaming, it sounded like a woman in distress, which made him look around to see if anyone needed help. He stated that as he walked along the gravel path, smoking and looking around, this is when he heard the sounds of flapping. He said it sounded like when geese flapped their wings, only louder and deeper. It was then that he said he saw this creature fly over his head at a height of about seven feet over him. He said the creature was solid black, but still reflected light from the street lamps in the parking lot and surrounding area. He said it looked like a giant bat, stating that there was no other way to describe what this thing looked like. He did not see any red eyes or any other features. The witness stated that it was moving too fast for him to pick out any features other than the general description he gave. He did say that there were at least three other witnesses who saw this thing when it overflew the parking lot, but he did not talk to them. The witness did state that he had been drinking alcohol during the reception, but that he was not impaired in any way, and that he could not have misidentified anything else that might have been in that area. The witness stated that he has heard geese, and the sound the entity was making was completely different than the honking made by geese. I asked him to please describe the sound, and he said it was like the cross between a woman screaming and an animal growling. Bah. The witness did say that the creature gained altitude very quickly, and when it faded out of sight, it was near the expressway and about the height of the billboard that it had just passed. Mm. The entity was still making the screechy noise it could be heard as it went out of sight. When asked about its flight characteristics, the witness did add the creature had two short legs that it kept them straight behind him as he was in flight, making it look like a bat in flight. 
When asked what he did after the sighting, he said he went back inside and told his girlfriend who dismissed him as seeing a crane or other large bird. They rejoined the reception and the rest of the night was uneventful. When asked if he had tried to take a video or picture, he said that he was in shock and didn't think to reach for his phone. So Hmm. there are some stories. And from a February 4th, 2021 article on medium.com called, quote, what is the Mothman and why are people seeing it around Chicago? Part of the article says, quote, as much as I love a good paranormal story, I remain skeptical. There are plenty of possibilities as to what people are actually seeing when they think they're being visited by the Mothman. It's probably a bird. In 1966, a biologist suggested that the Mothman sightings in Point Pleasant were due to a sandhill crane that had wandered off from its usual migratory route. Sandhill cranes are tall birds with six-foot wingspans. They migrate high in the sky, roost in ponds and lakes, and have red markings around their eyes. They're also very noisy birds that make rattling cries. Common to the Chicago area, they're often sighted near bodies of water. And get this, according to Wildlife Illinois, because they are attracted to open areas, they can pose a nuisance near airports. Suddenly, the O'Hare sightings make perfect sense. I, I know what a cr- sandhill crane is. So do I. I've like. seen sandhill cranes. <laughs> they don't look like Mothman. No, I'm that's sorry. what I got. That is what I got. So uh, I'm not buying the sandhill crane. No, like I said, there are so many. They're not uh, seven feet tall. Uh, the, uh, um, Tobias's website has a timeline on it that is just full of people in the Chicago area or in Wisconsin or in Illinois seeing this Mothman-like thing. Mm-hmm. I mean, I don't know. I it's We're going to have to do a whole episode about this, but here are just a handful of stories about, and I, like I said, this is one of those things that was on my radar, but I didn't realize how extensive these sightings were of this creature. Mm-hmm. So I don't know. I Some of the stuff does sound like a sandhill crane, like when they talk about the sound it makes or six to seven feet tall, which a sandhill crane could be. I don't think they can be six to seven feet tall. No way. The, none of the ones that I have seen are that no. tall. Maybe four. I think I've seen maybe three to four They have feet. really long, skinny bird legs, yeah. though. They don't have, like, human legs. Yeah. But if They're these stories... if stories are going, wings. No. If stories <laughs> are going around the airport about people seeing a mothman and people see the sandhill crane, it's easy to get swayed into thinking that you're seeing the mothman. Well, just because they have red around their eyes, it doesn't mean their eyes are glowing red. Yeah. I, I think it's a, a reach, personally. But are some of the sightings potentially a moth, a moth hill crane? (laughs) (laughs) It's a hybrid. A sand hill crane? Sure. But I don't feel like all of these sightings are that. No. Especially the the one that was seen by like the four people and then the other person, like you would think somebody. And then they're told, don't tell anyone. Yeah. Somebody in there would have been like, maybe it's a bird. You know, none of them thought it was a bird. Right. They thought it was a person. You know, the red glowing eyes. I'm I mean, never going to look at a crane and be like, oh, that's a person. No. So <laughs> no. I don't, I mean, I just don't know. It mm-hmm. Like, there's a lot of weird O'Hare stuff. There was like that one night where there was this like UFO seen by everybody. Mm. So I think we're going to have a whole episode yep. coming up about O'Hare or the Chicago sightings and weird stuff around O'Hare. But these are just a bunch of stories I wanted to throw in to show that this this Mothman in the Chicago They're area very recent is like a super interesting thing that I don't mm-hmm. know what to make of this. Right. You Me know, too. is it a sandhill crane? Possibly. You're not buying the sandhill no, crane at all. explanation. I just feel like that's you're. I, I mean, I when I've seen people's intelligence when I've seen sandhill cranes, they're in a field during the day. But if I see it at night. Am I going to be mistaking it for if it's in pers- your headlights? Yeah, <laughs> that's true. I just don't see it. Yeah. No. 
in the dark in the distance, sure. But I just feel like these are way too detailed. They're describing details that don't add up to a sandhill crane. No, and especially when you you know consider the fact that UFO sightings have been seen at O'Hare. There's like a lot of weirdness there. And people are worried because I don't I don't buy this, but people think that a Mothman sightings means something bad is going to happen in that area, right. like the like like Point Pleasant with the bridge collapse. You know, is something bad going to happen at O'Hare? You know, who knows? These sightings have been happening for yeah. a few years, yep. though. Yeah. I also think if sandhill cranes are so prevalent there, people who live there know what they look like. Yeah. I don't know. You're not buying the sandhill crane no, argument at all. No. No. But I just have a hard time buying the Mothman, you know? Yeah, I struggle with it too. But I think people are seeing something. This is this is where I almost feel like we should break our our vow not to interview anybody. But I'd love to talk to Tobias. Oh, I Because would too. he's like the go-to That's guy different. for this. Yeah. Yeah. But I would love to talk to Tobias about this because I... Yeah, he is a, he is a fellow Scani. Mm-hmm. But I, I want to know more about this. I really yeah. do. Yeah. It's, it's fascinating to me. I can buy the idea, like, I buy the idea that Bigfoot is just, like, an undiscovered um, species of, like, giant, not ape, but something like that. You know what I mean? So I I could almost buy the idea that Mothman is a giant undiscovered species of something But where are these hanging out during, like, where are these hanging out? Why do we not find their bodies? Why don't don't I step, why don't on my walks in the woods, how come I never step in Mothman poop? Because they're intelligent, maybe. I don't know. If anything, I I prefer the 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 portal idea that they mm-hmm. come through a portal and then go back through the portal. You know, it's I mean, harder that, for me to buy that just because we can't really prove that yet. No, but I, we also can't prove anything without any bodies or, or any any other anything other than shaky. But think camera, of the fact that you know. like a species of some kind of primate recently that was thought to have been extinct for a very long time was found thriving somewhere and nobody just ever found it. So so things like that can't exist. When I am president one day, I am going to make it a law <laughs> that every person in America is going to have a cap that is going to have a really good GoPro camera sure. on it so that anything that is seen out of the ordinary, they're going to have a super good footage of it, like like the highest end GoPro camera. You know, no more shaky, shaky blurry, blurry, handheld grainy, pictures. Yeah. You know, so I don't know. This is one that we're going to revisit, but, I, but uh, Tobias, I, I would really like to talk to you about this stuff mm-hmm. because I am fascinated. So that's what I got. There are a couple updates. There is the Tate House, there is Mothman, and there is John Teeter. Maybe John Teeter brought the things back from the future. You never know. Maybe he has a pet Mothman that got away could from be. him when he visited. Maybe he is Mothman. Oh, that could Ooh. be. So there you go. Good stuff. Okay, we're running out of time, so I am going to do my super quick song picks today. I don't have any YouTube comments. These are just two songs that I have been listening to a lot lately. The first song is by, I never heard of this guy before. He's British, I think. He's kind of like a rap guy, but now he's like more like a dance kind of guy. Uh, but I stumbled across him because he has a song that I believe is called uh, So Many Roads. Hmm. And why I think it was recommended for me is because he uses, it's not a sample, but he takes part of the song We've Only Just Begun by the Carpenters and puts it into his song, which is like a rap, like a 90s kind of rappy song. Mm-hmm. But it's really good. I really like that song. And then when I was looking at his other stuff, I found this song, which I had never heard, but I love, love, love this song. And it is the song Stay Awake by Example. 
but the song Stay Awake, like I never heard this song and I really like it. It's catchy. I downloaded it. I listen to it in my car all the time. So my first song pick is the song Stay Awake by Example. And my second pick came from somewhere where I find a lot of music that I like that I never would have found before. And that's when I do the KVSC trivia contest, the mm. 50 hour trivia contest, because while you're working on the questions, they're playing music from their, their college radio station. And this song showed up on it. And I was like, I like the song. So then I looked up the song, the video for the song has my number one video crush in it. I have no idea who this lady is, <laughs> but like the video was her going into this empty house, but I think she used to live there as a kid. And then she starts to see like how it used to look. And there's one point where she walks into the bathroom and the band is sitting around the bathroom and the woman herself is like brushing her teeth. And she like looks at herself, walk in and kind of smiles at her. I like don't understand the video, but I'm just utterly in love with this woman that's in the video. And I have... I've listened to some of their other stuff and their other stuff is good. Like I really like them. And the song is called Invented All Again and it is by the band Faded Paper Figures. Oh, okay. It's like an alternative kind of song, okay. but hmm. I think it has like a toy piano in some parts and a lot of like hand claps and synthesizer and it's really good. Like I love this song. But uh, the girl in the video, just in love with her. No idea who she is. Nobody, nobody, I, I do Google searches and can't find anything about it. Mm. So those are my two songs. Examples, Stay Awake and Faded Paper Figures, Invent It All Again. And we're going to have time for one question that was just submitted to us. We had someone submit questions on um, yeah. Instagram yep. too. Yep. We'll get to those. This is from listener Kathy Myers who emailed us. Are you guys still doing this? Is there somewhere special to go to ask questions? <laughs> <laughs> there is, is that the question? Q-O-O-H. No, that's not the question. <laughs> Fun thing to think about, and I know my answer to this. If you came upon a doll laying out in the middle of the woods, would you pick it up nope. and bring it home nope. with you? Nope. Nope. My answer is no. But if it was a stuffed animal, yes. Mm. It's weird. That was like the first thing that popped in my head. A stuffed animal in the woods, I would pick up. A doll, dolls creep me out. Oh, totally. Uh, a doll, I would not pick up. I'd probably no. throw it deeper in the woods to get yep. it away from any humans Agreed. that it could curse or whatever. Right. But a stuffed animal, like a teddy bear, yes, I would pick that up. Hmm. I, I have like a soft spot for teddy bears. I mean, I hate the idea of leaving litter in the forest, yeah. but I'm not touching a doll. No, no. put it in the backseat of your car. No. No. <laughs> so no. that's your easy answer. Leaving it there. A no from both of us, a yes from me if it was a stuffed animal. Is now a part of the forest. We'll stay that <laughs> okay, way. go with the joke. What did the robber say when he stole from the bookstore? Did I read this one already? What did he say? I had better book it out of here. <laughs> I don't know if you read that one already. Why did Sally's computer keep sneezing? Is that a virus? Yep. <laughs> but um, And I think that's it. Mm -hmm. So hopefully this episode was okay. We need to do more follow-up episodes just to, I mean, we didn't really follow up a whole ton, but it was neat to revisit these stories. Yeah. And I'm sure and there's a ton yeah, of stories I, I, we Part of me is wondering on. if maybe some new listeners hadn't heard the original mm -hmm. episodes, so now maybe they'll go back and listen to the original episodes. Yeah. But if you are a time traveler, please message us. Let us know what's going on in the future. Yeah, are we still recording? <laughs> are we still are we still recording? Are we world famous? But if you are a time traveler, you can email us at thestrangesessions at gmail.com. We are kind of world famous because people listen to us all That's over the true. world. Email us at thestrangesessions at gmail.com. We are on Twitter at Strange Session without the S. Krista does an amazing job on Instagram at the Strange Sessions. You can send us postcards and snail mail to The Strange Sessions, P.O. Box 434, Manitowoc, Wisconsin, 54221-0434. 
And if your time travel capabilities only allow you to use the phone number, you can call us at 920-443-9602. And I think that is all we got. It's all we got. Any, Any final words? Nope. Nothing? Nope. I got nothing either. Okay. Thank you guys for listening, <laughs> as always. And uh, yeah, that's all we got. It was a lot. It was a lot. I feel like I was going to say something else, and I'll remember it when I'm driving home. But sure. Maybe I'll edit it in while I'm at home. That would sound so bad <laughs> if I edited it in. just me talking. Mm-hmm. So from Krista and I in the strange cellar, until next time, dear friends, stay, stay strange. strange.